And it is Jesus who makes the day glorious. And thank you for joining us on this morning's broadcast. Today, our Christmas sermon segment from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 continues as Pastor Elliot presents two ways that Jesus Christ was God's best gift to give us sinners at the first Christmas. And here's our pastor, Robert Elliot. This Sunday, we begin with Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And as the Lord enables us, we will look at the rest of Hebrews chapter 1 and part of Hebrews chapter 2 in the remaining Sunday mornings of the Advent season together. And in this study through Hebrews, we will see first why God the Son was the best that heaven could give to earth. And second, we will see why the Lord Jesus Christ is heaven's final word. But this morning, in the few minutes we have, I want to, with you, see in the scriptures two ways that the baby Jesus was God's best gift for you and me as sinners. In your outlines, in point number one, Roman numeral number one, the first way that Jesus was God's best gift for sinners on earth is this, Christ is the inheritor of all things. Christ is the inheritor of all things. You see, as God's son, I've told you before, in the Hebrew understanding of being the son of someone is that you are just like your father. That Jesus Christ is God's son is saying that Jesus Christ is God. He is just like God. He is God. And as God's son, Jesus is in full standing and authority to receive all the inheritance from his father. Jesus is the inheritor of all things. Listen as I try to show you this from Psalm 2. Psalm 2, I want to read verses 1 to 12, but I want to focus in on verses 7 and 8. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king. May I interject? That's God's son, the king, the king of kings. The father says, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree to the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very cords of the earth as your possession. God the father from eternity past promised God the son that he would be the inheritor of the nations and possess the ends of the earth. Jesus Christ is the inheritor of all things. And now I want to show you that there are at least three aspects to Jesus Christ's inheritance. There is the natural aspect of it, there is the spiritual aspect of it, and there is the shared aspect of Jesus Christ's inheritance. Let's take them one by one. Subpoint one, Christ's inheritance involves things natural. I see that in Psalm 2.8. Ask of me, 
God says to his son, ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. The father was saying to the son, I am going to give you some natural things as your inheritance. Like all the people groups of the world, all the ethnicities. There will be representative redeemed people around your throne forever in heaven, son. I'm going to give them to you as your inheritance. Natural things. But also, among the natural things the father has promised as an inheritance to the son is planet earth. The natural thing called planet earth. Have you thought about it lately? That one day the Lord Jesus Christ will inherit the earth and all that is in it. He'll set up a thousand-year righteous kingdom on earth with a throne on Zion, Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and he'll rule with an iron scepter over the planet, suppressing sin, suppressing injustice, suppressing greed, suppressing all sin. Yes, Jesus Christ is the inheritor of all things. The first aspect of that inheritance is that he will inherit things natural, people's And earth itself, which will be remade after his millennial kingdom to be a new heaven and a new earth, he'll inherit that. He's going to inherit natural things. He's the inheritor of all things. That's why he was the best that heaven could ever care to give earth. In Colossians 1.16b, you don't need to turn there, it says, all things were created by him, that is Jesus, and for him, that is Jesus. All things were created by Jesus. All things are created for Jesus. He's the inheritor of all things natural. Romans 11.36, for from him, Jesus, and through him, Jesus, and to him, Jesus, are all things. And to him be the glory. Amen. Jesus Christ is the inheritor of all things. We've seen first he's the inheritor of things natural, but secondly, Jesus Christ's inheritance also involves things spiritual. Not just things natural, but things spiritual. That is human spirits. That is human souls. Human beings are made in God's image. God is three in one. Humans are three in one. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. Humans are spirit, soul, and body. We're made in God's image. Our spirit allows us to interact with God. Our soul allows us to interact with each other. And our bodies allow us to interact with our environments. Jesus Christ's inheritance includes things spiritual. That is redeemed human spirits, redeemed human souls, redeemed human resurrected bodies, glorified as a package. This is part of Jesus Christ's rightful inheritance. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, quote, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The Holy Spirit had Paul write to the church at Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your soul, the spiritual part of you, that your spiritual eyes will be opened, Ephesian believers. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. What is that? 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Christ's glorious inheritance includes the saints, you and me, our redeemed bodies, souls, and spirits, our resurrected bodies, souls, and spirits are part of the inheritance that God the Father deems so significant, so precious, so holy, that he's promised us as redeemed people in glorified bodies one day as part of his blessed son's inheritance. Yes, Jesus Christ is the inheritor of all things. All things includes natural things. All things also includes spiritual things. But there's a third thing here. Jesus Christ's inheritance also involves things shared. Things which are shared. Romans 8, 17. Listen, now, if we are children, that is, if we are God's children through Salvation. That is, if we are God's adopted children through justification. That is, if we are God's kids by regeneration. If we are his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we're going to... As we think of Christmas season, and the Christmas season, some people say it's the most wonderful time of the year. But in some cases, Christmas becomes the stressful time of year. And today we want to look at a story in the Bible of Mary and Martha as one was so busy that she didn't even see Jesus. And I think that sometimes in our lives, and I think sometimes as we go about the Christmas season, we can get so busy that we don't even give Jesus a thought, that we don't even remember what Christmas is all about because the joy has been sucked out of us because we are so busy with this activity, whether it be at a church, whether it be at school, whether it be um, John Canoe, whatever it may be, we get so caught up in busyness that we don't even think about Jesus. And as we think of God's word in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says this, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, as we think of this story, we see Martha. Martha is doing things that we would consider good as she is there preparing the house and serving people and doing everything else to make everyone else happy. But yet she is so busy and so caught up that she is not doing what she should do. As we see, she is so concerned about her sister Mary just sitting at the Lord's feet. And she even comes to question Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care? Don't you see what I'm doing? that my sister is just sitting here listening to you, and yet I need her help. And Jesus makes it very clear that her busyness is in the wrong place, is that she is so busy and so caught up in serving and doing, like I said, good things for people that she has forgotten about the king. And I think that this has happened in our lives, especially during Christmas time. 
I think we can get so caught up, especially us in the church, as we consider there are many church activities. And we sometimes feel like we have to be to every church activity. And you may be saying right now, well, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Isn't that the place that we come closer to God and we learn more about God and, you know, we hear God's word and that is true. But sometimes some people are just so caught up in the activities and just doing what they're supposed to be doing that they forget about Jesus totally and who they're doing it for. And like I said at the beginning, the joy is taken away. A joy is taken away from serving because we're just doing it out of obligation, not truly to bring honor and glory to God. You see, Mary had it right. Even though Mary would have been neglecting helping her sister, Mary had it right because she was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching, doing what she was supposed to do. She was focusing on the king, focusing on the reason for Christmas, focusing on what we all need to understand is the most important thing, that we focus and listen to God's word. You see, I know that in today's society, and as we consider, as we think about buying gifts and we consider the traffic that we're going to go through and, and do all these different things, that sometimes, again, Christmas becomes that stressful time of year that we don't even give Jesus a thought, that we pray that it will hurry up and end so that we could get things back to normal. But I think that we need to understand as we focus on what Christmas is all about. Christmas is remembering the birth of Jesus Christ and remembering that he came to this earth, not just to live a life that was full of miracles and do that, but he came to die for us. And I think that as we consider Christmas, we cannot forget that. We can't forget it because I think that if we, if we just celebrate the birth, then we miss the whole point of Christmas. Because Jesus' birth, yes, it was special and we, we know the details around it. But he came to die. His birth was different. He was a babe who came to redeem the world to himself. And we are going to look at this later on this month as we consider the Christmas story. But I want us to ask ourselves this morning as we consider what we have just read. Are you a Martha? Are you a person who is so filled in the busyness that you are so distracted? And even, like I said, doing things in the church that you have totally forgot about Jesus? Or are you Mary? Are you Mary, a person who recognizes that, you know what, I'm going to forget about these things, forget about sometimes even serving people because I need to take that time to reflect on God and to be there with him and to hear from him and what he wants to tell me. You see, the Bible is very clear. It says, be still and know that I am God. There are times in our lives when we need just to pull away from everything and we need to just sit quiet and hear from God. But the problem is with a lot of us is this, is that we're so busy that just like Martha, that we can't even hear God because we are so distracted and we aren't focused on him. Let me ask you a question this morning as we, as we consider this. Are you too busy for God? Are you wrapped up in everything else? whether it be in church, whether it be your kids in school, or whatever it may be that you just don't have time for God. You see, we need more Marys and less Marthas. We need people who are willing to listen to God, willing to sit and listen to His teaching, and not just to listen to it, but to apply it to their lives. But we also need those people who are willing to serve but we need to make sure that as even Martha's case, that we don't just serve, 
without a purpose, that we're just serving to serve and, and not remembering who we're serving. I think this is the problem that happens a lot in churches is that people serve and serve and serve, yet they don't remember the king who they're serving. Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you. A blessed Christmas to you listeners. I have a Christmas devotional for you that was written by Dr. Reg Grant, who is the professor of pastoral ministries at Dallas Theological Seminary. It is entitled, A Wonderful Life. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Luke 2, 17 to 18. Many of us are filled with wonder at Christmas, but it isn't the flawless wonder of a five-year-old totally immersed in Christmas. The smooth-skinned wonder of our childhood tends to wrinkle a bit in our grown-up years. It can go sour like milk left out for Santa who never shows up. I think of George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. After Uncle Billy lost the money, that's when George began to wonder about other things, like how the world wouldn't care if he had never been born. Then an angel showed up. Clarence reminded George that his life did matter, that if it weren't for George, old man Potter would have fleeced the folks of Bedford Falls many times over, that George's little brother would have drowned, and that he would never have lassoed the moon for Mary. Good news brought by an angel to a man who had lost his sense of wonder. How long do you think it has been since those Bethlehem shepherds had wondered about anything? Those guys were stuck in dead-end jobs in a backwater town with no relief in sight, just like George, just like some of us. Like George, they wondered how little anyone cared that they had ever been born the sand would gobble them up, the earth would digest them, and no amount of wishing on a star was going to change that at all. Still, every night they gazed past the moon, past Ares and the bear, and on toward heaven, and green valleys and clear running streams, and they wondered what it must be like not to smell like sheep, childish dreams then an angel showed up recently we had the opportunity to sit and talk with uh, Gwen Hepburn she's been sharing her personal God story and the results of infidelity in her marriage and how God has brought her from there to here we resume from where we left off last week so oftentimes fear is a trigger for depression and it sounds like in the course of time that with God provided helpers and with God's Word the Bible and with a certain measure of self-determination you uh, have been able to get past and through that depression and would you say that as life has unfolded these 20 years that uh, you really haven't had to contend with fear uh, much? Again, it takes time. So I had to work through it. I, I came to the realization also that I had to change my thinking. Mm. 
I had to stop dwelling on the past. You know, like Paul said, forget those former things and press on towards the goal. Yes. And I thought about that and I started reading a lot. And I'm the type of person that I keep journals. So that helped me. And I've been just continuously writing. And it got to a point where I had to be careful for the anxiety, yes. you know, and everything. Um, because I realized, too, that's because of the way that I was thinking. So what I started doing whenever I really would get upset about something, I would write. I took a sheet of paper. I drew a line. Mm-hmm. On one side, I put what happened, what yes. was said to me. Yes. And my response to that. And then I started writing what God says about that particular thing that was said to me. Oh, I like that. I would go and search the scriptures. And then, you know, like I would be like, oh, no, my response to that was not right. This is what God said. Mm -hmm. So I stayed in the word like that. I mean, it was years. To me, it helped. And all of this, I have in my journal and everything. And I would go back later on to just to see how far I've come. And I also bought a book on John Maxwell, Change Your Thinking. And someone said to me one time, he said said to my daughter, I saw your mom reading this book. She's reading (laughs) this book. He said, yeah, well, you know, um, but I had to do what I thought was best for me. Yes. So, you know, uh, just putting these things into practice because the word says, as a man, think it so is he. That's the truth. And you're never too old to change your thoughts. That's right. The Holy Spirit can change our thoughts whether we're 100 or uh, 10 years old or any age in between. Exactly. So he said, think on these things. Yes. Things that are true. Did I cause what was going on in my marriage? No. That was true. Yes. My God said, he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. That's true. That's truth. So, you know, you just have to... Self-control, that's another thing I had to learn, self-control. I had to get rid of this feeling Mm. because that was not supposed to be a part of my vocabulary anymore. (laughs) Right. We shared that in church here recently, that feelings make a lousy train engine, but they're okay caboose. (laughs) And when you spoke about that, I said, Pastor, why are you talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can assure you I was talking about me, too. That's very great. Just before I go to the next question, I just think that idea of taking a piece of paper and putting a vertical line in the middle and putting the situation or the feeling on the left of the line and on the right of the line, what God's Word has to say about that particular thing, I think that's brilliant. And I think a lot of our listeners can really benefit if they were to do the same. Now, in the course of your story, Gwen, we've already seen a lot of uh, difficulties that uh, adultery brought into your home. And did you ever feel abused uh, in your home? Yes. By nature, I was a very quiet person. Mm -hmm. It was more like verbal. Yes. You know, I didn't know how to handle that situation, I guess probably because of the way that I was brought up. 
Yes. Um, because there was, I said anything like that. No. In our household, my father was a very kind, loving person. Mm -hmm. Very Lord. loving. Because, you know, he, he had the responsibility of bringing us up along with my grandmother and my older sister. Because my mom died when I was very young. I don't know her. Mm -hmm. Because of the verbal abuse, I guess even at work, you know, I was very sensitive. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't know who I was, you know, like in the beginning. That's the reason why, you know, we need to know ourselves. We need to love ourselves mm -hmm. even before you talk about marriage. Mm -hmm. You need to know who you are. Mm -hmm. You need to love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And I was insecure. I, I realized that I was insecure. Yes. And the verbal abuse did not help. And uh, it actually took another person who was not a believer to let me see this. And he said to me, I want to talk to you. And I was like, no. You know, but, and then he said to me, he said, do you know you're beautiful? You're a beautiful woman. He said, I don't know what has happened to you, but I want to tell you as a friend, someone has done you wrong. Hmm. And uh, I was shocked. Hmm. He said, um, well, anyway, someone has been lying to you. And I thought about that, you know. Mm -hmm. I know he was not a believer, but I thought about that. It caused me to really start thinking, why did he say this to me? How was I acting, you know, in order for him? And um, like he told me, other people in the office were saying the same thing. that like, something is going on with me. Mm. And I started thinking about it, and then I started observing more, you know, and then I realized, yes. I would think you'd be trying to sort out, you know, what to make of that friend's compliment and how you should handle that or what to, what to do with that. Yeah, yeah. you know, but it, it, it caused me to start thinking. Yes. Because he was, he was a friend. But he saw that something was wrong. Yes. And that, circling back to the, the abuse you had been experiencing, you know, with your husband uh, verbally abusing you, that takes a toll. And as you say, uh, until we know who we really are and who God has made us in Christ, we'll be insecure and we'll be begin yes. to believe lies. And uh, that's, that's good that you were, you know, delivered from believing some lies that you had become to believe. That's all the time we had for today. We'll pick up from here next week in the will of the Lord. You've been listening to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 and 11 a.m. this morning in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. Feel free to join us at these times. You can also write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior. <laughs>